Dark Side of Therapy. This is Eric Nance. And uh, yeah, today's a very special day because we've got a body language expert on with us, Mark Bowden. And my thought has always been uh, mental health and body language don't necessarily coincide very well. We don't talk about it a whole lot. And because I sort of like to be on the fringe of things, I thought I want to get a body language expert on here. Uh, help educate me about can we actually use this in mental health evaluation? And if I'm barking up the wrong tree, well, Mark will let me know that too. So Mark, thank you very much for coming on. Eric, it's a great pleasure. Great pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. So here's my biggest fear. I was telling my producer about this. I thought, what if I'm lying the entire time and I don't even know it and Mark knows it and he calls me out halfway through? What do I do? <laughs> well, what is that likely to happen, though? Because, you know, you're coming to this interview with the best intentions. Um, if, you, if you are um, uh, economical with the truth, my guess will be there's there's some good reasons behind it. And so I might just let you continue wow. with that because there might be an end game that I don't see, you know, there. But but look, my, you know, the whole thing is, is, is why would you? Why would, I mean, actually, help me out. Why would you lie during this interview? And I wouldn't. And, and what I learned from Truth and Lies is context means everything. And I have absolutely no reason to lie. But I loved your response to that. Um, that, that, that makes me feel a lot more warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> so, Mark, I want to know, you always seem like you're having fun. When I watch you present or talk to people, you look like you're having fun every step of the way. How do you do that? Uh, look, well, so number one, let me just take you through why it's important, I think, to project and create this idea of, of fun, um, as, you, as you call it, which isn't a bad, a bad, not a bad title for it throughout this. Yeah. Our talk today, and as, as it is whenever I'm in a media situation, it has to be entertaining. Mm. And by entertaining, I mean from the old medieval Latin word, entretenir, to hold together. We've got to hold together an idea. Because if we can't hold this idea together, how is the viewer, the listener, going to hold it with us? If we can't do it, how can they do it? So I need to entertain you. You need to entertain me. And, and so that might project to people and yourself as like having fun. That's okay. Having a good time. What I'm trying to do is entertain right now, which means I've got to lift my energy and, and my performance to a level where that's more likely to happen. Does, does, that make, does that make sense? It makes perfect sense because when I talk to clients, I do the same thing. I, I think I'm fairly entertaining, I hope, but it's never dull and boring. And, and maybe sometimes I, I get more enthusiastic than I should, but I think it's that same kind of thing. It, there needs to be an interchange. And I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to keep things dull because dull doesn't work for me. I'm pretty sure it doesn't work for you. And, and you, the second part of that question, I think, was like, how are you doing that? And, yes. and, and here's how I'm doing it. I play a game called My Friend's Amazing. Okay, so all the time I'm on this interview with you, I'm thinking to myself, ah, oh, you know, this guy's amazing. That was a, what a great question. 
Oh, what a great interchange. What a, no, you're sure. Part of my brain at the same time could be going, where's this going? Why did he ask that question? What's going on there? What are all those books in the background? Why all the wood happening there? All right. those are big headphones. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. But I consciously create this sense of my friend's amazing. I'm consciously creating the sense of my friend's viewers are amazing. My friend's listeners here, the listeners here, I love these listeners. They're amazing. Why? because I want to entertain, because I want you to get the ideas, because I think the ideas are important. That's, that's what I'm doing. I like that. I watched a TED Talk once, I think her name was Laura Sicola, and she talked about people would say, uh, I have a lot of passion for what I do. And she looks at them and she would say, really? Because it ain't coming through in your presentation. And then <laughs> most people kind of put all the effort in the PowerPoint and they kind of wing it. And I thought, I think there's some truth to that. Do you think there's some truth to that? Oh, totally. It's yeah. like, what, what plate are you serving the food up on? How's the table laid out? Was it welcoming when you invited those guests through the door? Yes. Because it doesn't matter how good the soup is and how nutritious, if there isn't a welcome as you come through the door, it's going to frame the experience of the soup, right. <laughs> essentially, to the extent that you might not even want to eat. You know, it's like, oh, I don't fancy the soup, actually. So I think it's so important, the frame that you put round stuff so that people get the content. Now, does, does that mean they could still be disappointed by the content? Yeah, I might be incredibly entertaining, but you might think about my content. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. A complete idiot and right. a complete chancer. Okay, fine, you'll be disappointed. My hope is, is that you'll be delighted. I'm trying to make you delighted, which is, I was so invited into this conversation and the content, the ideas were exceptional. How great is that? That's what I'm trying to produce. If, if, that, if that doesn't happen, well, I'm not even going to apologize. It's just the way it is. You know, I'm just me. This is what I do. Well, and, and I would think audiences appreciate being thrilled and entertained, even if the content wasn't great, as opposed to great content that nobody cares about because the presenter is so dull. Um, I had no idea we would talk about this, but I'm glad we are talking about it because I've got some upcoming presentations and I don't want to be dull. So this is, this is a good warm up for me. Uh, Mark, you've written books, uh, bestsellers, you're a speaker, you're a business person, uh, you're on the Behavior Panel, one of my all-time favorite shows. Is there a thing you've done that is your most favorite or, or kind of the thing that you most adore that you've achieved? Um, it's always what I'm doing at the time. Mm. It, re it really is. It's always, um, it's always where I am and where I could get to next rather than, oh, there's that thing in the past. If only I could keep on doing that or I really hit the pinnacle there. I just think that would be a shame, wouldn't it? I mean, I've done, I've done a lot of brilliant work. I'm proud of the books that I've written. I'm proud of the videos that I, that I make. Um, but, but I would hope they're not the end of it. So I'm always kind of in the moment and looking forward. So it doesn't stop. The train just keeps going. You're, you're going to add to it um, and keep creating, basically. Totally. Yeah, look, if anything, um, I'm a creator. I, I'm, I'm, you know, if I wasn't doing this, I would be putting up shelves. I love putting up shelves because, because you're, you're making something that wasn't there before that does something that's helpful. So all I'm ever trying to do 
is make something new that is helpful in a place where there wasn't help or from my point of view there wasn't the right help or the help could be better you know and so all I want at the end of the day is I can look at something and I can go oh I made that and I think it was helpful wow see to me that's a very unique way of doing things Mark that had to be modeled for you I'm guessing in some ways and you looked at it and said that looks attractive to me doing it this way as opposed to you know some some other way you know what? I think I think you have to be right that it was modelled somewhere, but I'm but I'm I'm not able at the moment to locate where exactly that was. I've had a lot of great mentors, a lot of people that I've modelled who've just been incredible at what they do. But but there was a point where where I did come across this idea, and I and and it feels like it was mine, though it really can't be. Right. It feels like it was mine that it was like, I just need to be helpful. I've just got to make stuff. I mean, I've always been a maker of stuff. I've always been creative and, and made stuff that wasn't already there. Right. And, then, and, then, and then I worked out, well, I think it was this. I was going, why, why are people liking this? Mm -hmm. why, why do they like that piece of content and they don't like that piece of content? Right. You know, why has that piece of content gone viral and this piece of content hasn't? And I realized, oh, that piece of content that went viral, it's just really helpful. It's just all it is is helpful. Gotcha. And just came across the idea of, well, I just need to be as helpful as I, as, as I possibly can more of the time. I think that's wonderful. And Mark, you, 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 you do it with no arrogance. I mean, as I watch you interact with people, you treat everybody the same, which is to say you look interested and, and you know, someone talks to you and, and you're just so open. And I really appreciate that about you because I've met people that aren't approachable, that are brilliant, and, and, and I don't want to talk to them because they're, they're sort of a demeaning kind of presence. And context, I get it, maybe I'm missing something. But with you, it's pretty self-evident that you're a safe person to talk to. Well, look, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that is my innate, <laughs> you know, nature right. to right. be totally open. And it's probably not. I mean, I'm going to be a little more being open is a job. Like right. I, I have to do that on purpose. What I've realized is to do my job well, I need to purposely be more open more of the time mm. because I've got some very strict ideas that I know work. And so it'd be, it's very easy for me to get very aggressive about those ideas and go, look, just do this. And, right. and, th and there's a value to that. There's absolutely a value to that. But that's not that entertaining. And what, what is more entertaining is if I'm more open to people, gets more people around the message. And then I say, hey, here's what you need to do. I think this will be really helpful. So what, what, I, what I think should be understood here is that nothing that I'm doing here is innate. If you mm. think, hey, Mark's a really good entertainer, he's a really good communicator, he's yep. got some really yep. good ideas. Yep. Gosh, you know, the God of entertainment and ideas must have blessed him. <laughs> no, I, I, I learned, I trained, I, I put into place systems that make sure that that is more likely to happen and I do it on purpose. So I'm, I'm thinking, if I've got a team of people I'm working with then and I want to bring them together to, to do something, it, it may not be my innate nature to communicate a certain way, but knowing how I need to communicate and learning how to do it. See, I think that's huge, Mark. I think a lot of people are scared of that because it goes outside their comfort, doesn't it? How dare I learn something or be something else? 
Right. It does go outside their comfort. It also goes outside of some of the current orthodoxy around authenticity right. that says, hey, just be you, you know, and, and the universe will fall into place yes. for you. I'm yes. like, no, that's not what I've experienced. That's not what I've experienced at a high level of leadership at a high level of leadership where you're trying to lead people who are not aligned with you, who are not from your group, who don't automatically fall into your values, beliefs, rituals, customs, goals, concerns, signals. They don't understand your language. Right. If you want to lead those people, you better learn to be an even more incredible version of yourself wow. that is able to pick and choose from a vocabulary of, of persona and not just go, well, you know, life and genetics and, 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 you know, the lords of nature, you know, deemed that I would be this person and I shall be that person and, and life will fall into place. No, you'll just keep meeting echo chambers of yourself. Isn't that the truth? Ab absolutely. It's, it's, it's the um, truth from my point of yeah. view, but uh, it's not everybody's truth. I mean, I meet a whole bunch of people who go, no, 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 no. I mean, authentic me, if I don't like it, like I shouldn't do it. No, you should absolutely go and do it if you don't like it. <laughs> Test it out. You know, Dar Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine, he says the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is, you know, successful people hate to do what it takes to succeed. They just do it anyway. I always, I always think about that whenever I'm having one of those days. It's like, Nance, get up and do the thing you don't want to do. Because the thing I don't want to do is always the thing I need to do. I, I, I sort of resent that, but it's true. It is absolutely truthful. Totally, totally. Every day that I go and speak in front of it, and I speak to big audiences and small mm -hmm. audi audiences all over the world, I wake up every day that I'm doing that and go, you idiot. What have you, you, oh, this is horrible. You've gone and said you'll talk in front of the people and you've taken money for it. They've already paid you. Like right. now you have to go and do it, don't you? Look at the mess you've got yourself into. <laughs> and people think I'm there like, and I love that they say, oh, you know, you love being in front of the audience. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'd rather not do it. I'd rather put up shelves. It's like so much less risk. So, so you've got some of the same self-talk a lot of us have when we are in front of audiences or when we just don't want to do the work maybe that particular day. Of course. Oh, I'm lazy yeah. just like everybody else. If you, if you could pay me and I didn't do any work, like I'd, I would take that option yeah. <laughs> like any that, day of the week. It would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mark, I want to jump into mental health now. We're, 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 we're going to have to do it, uh, although this is so much fun. Um, I've got a working theory that I've wanted to bounce off you for a while, and uh, this will either uh, satiate my needs or you're going to tell me, uh, give it up. But when we do mental health assessment, you know, we, we sort of jump into a lot of uh, symptom clusters and a lot of Q&A, and then very quickly with people, we throw out treatment modalities, you know, cognitive behavioral, DBT, all these things. And I started to wonder at some point, we throw this stuff at people so quickly before people really even know themselves. And, and I wonder sometimes if there isn't an order of operations almost, and that's where body language, Mark, could come in. If we can help people understand themselves a bit better before we throw at them all the high-end techniques and strategies, I, I, I think we can actually do them uh, some service there. That's my working theory. I'm dying to get your perspective. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, that working theory would suggest 
if you know yourself better, you might have a better chance of 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 better mental health. Right. I mean, so right. so so and I think that's basically what you're saying. Um, I would gamble on that theory. I would get now. I know it's not going to be. There's going to be some extreme outliers to that. Oh, that's absolutely. Obvious. Yeah. So so let's yeah. just exclude the outlier. Let's just exclude from the conversation. Get out of here. The extreme yes. outliers. Okay, great. Um, and there's going to be some people on the periphery of that. It's like the more they know themselves, the more horrible it might get for them. It's like okay, that's a, that's a possibility. Okay, I get that's a that's a possibility. But but starting down that journey of knowing yourself better. I think there can only be, for most people, more positives than negatives around that. Now, let's bring in that nonverbal aspect of it. Yes. You know, to what extent can you observe a client or patient, whatever, whatever kind of category you're going to put them in? To what extent can you observe them and give your observation or help them give their observation? about simple body language. Here's how I'm sitting. Here's what my face is doing. Here's right. the way I'm gesturing. Here's the, especially here's the way I'm breathing at the moment. Here's the yes. way I'm sitting, which is affecting the way I'm breathing. Could that make things somewhat better quite immediately? Yeah. In my experience, yeah, it, it can. Now, is that a route to the rigor of, of, you know, classification of a mental health issue and, and going down, uh, you know, I'm don't, not sure it replaces any of that rigor because that rigor is in place because actually it works relatively well. It works well enough, right. <laughs> it works right. well enough. But is there a place for helping a, a client or a patient observe their physical behavior and you be a, a sounding board for that and another, another observation? I, in my experience with my clients, it works incredibly well. That that's good to hear. And so let me let me let me be a little controversial, and maybe a lot controversial. So most therapists, I think, and I was in the same crowd here, were trained to sort of meet the client where they're at, which in my mind a lot of times means that if they say it, we have to, you know, let their truth kind of ring true. And then I got trained in personality disorders, Mark. I learned a whole new different way of working with people, which is they're lying most of the time. But, but I tend to think there is the stigma against challenging a client that way in the same way that we challenge their memories because that's kind of a no-no too. If they remember it, you know, I've heard you talk about trauma on your show. Um, anybody can say they're traumatized, um, but do we actually know what happened? Um, you know, Elizabeth Loftus out of UCLA did a lot of research on uh, memory with clients and how we can actually put false memories into clients. So I just find this whole thing very interesting, Mark, because I'm a truth seeker. I just want to get to the truth of what's going on. Um, but again, I think we sometimes put the cart before the horse and we do try to fix and, and we try to validate before the truth is even on the table. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, my 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 best and um, most helpful response to that, I think, is this, is that certainly in the work that I do, there is there is that thing of I have to be a, a trusted advisor and almost kind of friend. Yes. So I have to keep that persona there. Okay. Now, at the same time, I can give other people's points of views that could be challenging. Yeah. Right. So right. I might be able to say, hey, look, I, I totally buy what you're saying. Um, and I get why you'd be saying it. But I'm thinking about some people out there, and I might name those people or, or, or name those category of people, and I might say, they would call you out on that. 
right. they would say, so now I'm able to be um, the advocate of the devil's advocate. <laughs> I mean, it's not me. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you about some other devil's advocate out that, there that would, that that would so challenge you on that. Absolutely. And then you've, you, and, and again, and we use those techniques in personality disorder work because then we're out, we're out of the scene. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is, right. This isn't my idea. It was in Time Magazine and they think it works, but yeah. <laughs> but, but then you're sort of, yeah, you're sort of off the table for being accountable to that. Um, so yeah, I think that's a very good point. Well, I say, and, and I think, you know, what we're offering there is, is a, is a safety of of proximity. Like this this viewpoint is not in the room with you right now. Right. It's outside, you know, and I might even use my body language, gesture outside of the room, them out there. You know, I might make it, and, and you're still safe with me. So if, 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 if you wanna talk about that being possibly true, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're, safe, you're safe with with me. So I think there's body language that can be used there as well as, as the help in all of this to distance that um, aggressive comment. And that works really well if you're with somebody that's, you know, uh, able to be triggered very quickly, you can kind of put it in that there and then context. I, I wanted to say too, Mark, when I was reading your book, I, I, I read the drama triangle and the different drama switches. That is one of the fundamental treatment uh, uh, components of personality disorders. And so when I, when I read that and I saw the, the, the victim and the persecutor, then I really felt like, yeah, Mark is just so good at this stuff because a lot of people, this is not known to them and it's not known when they work with difficult clients, but I've had a lot of drama switches done to me. I've gone from the rescuer to the persecutor pretty quick. And now that I know what that is, it's just so helpful. So I want to say that part of the book really, really resonated with me. Yeah, I love that model. I think it's a brilliant model. Like every model, it's it's utterly inaccurate, but helpful. I mean, it's like, you know, life isn't actually just full of, you know, victims. It's, it's not all triangles. It's not all triangles. But... But if you can view it for a moment as a, as a drama triangle, th there's a clarity that can come that can give you a possible next step. It, it gives you, okay, here's what I can try. And it, all, all we're ever trying to do is, get, is use technique to get closer to the truth right. in a helpful manner. Absolutely. That, that's, that's all. So yeah, I love the drama triangle. If, if, if you're listening or watching this and you haven't come across that, it's so easy to it's it's so easy to pick up. Such a great tool. Go get it. And, and I think especially for for new clinicians, Mark, which is really who we're speaking to, new clinicians, new graduates, they're going to end up doing something in a session, and the client is going to get very angry. They're not going to know what happened. Oh, drama switch! I'm I'm a persecutor now. That's what happened. It's it's not personal. This would happen with anybody that said that about them. But if they don't know it, they're going to feel like I've done something terribly wrong. No, no. You you have set off whatever personality uh, deficits are there. You just didn't know that you did it. Um, but here's here's the other side to this: is I will play characters in the drama triangle. I'll let I'll let the person know. I'll say, hey, look, just to be the victim here in this situation that's going on. <laughs> now, I'll, now I'll take that role. I'll take that role and then I'll switch to another. So they get to try out because they will then get pushed around. I and then, see. Then they'll get to try it out. Okay. And then, and then you might be able to go, hey, you know, it felt, felt I, like, you know, when I said, hey, I'm the victim, 
suddenly you started to get quite aggressive from my point of view. How did that like? How did that feel? That feel good or that feel bad to you? So then they're trying out these different, you know, shoes, trying on different hats. Because <laughs> it's. I, I, I like that. I, I I would love to be able to say, well, I'm I'm the persecutor now. <laughs> let's 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 kind of see how that works. I never thought about doing it, but. Um, I like how you say try out different characters because that goes back to play too. I think doesn't it? Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Well, it, well, it goes back to me to this idea of of persona uh, or or self. And I don't know what your ideas of persona and self are, and or anybody listening. It's quite a complex thing, isn't it? It is. But it here's is. the way I here's the way I view it: is 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 I view the self as kind of like a diamond, and it has lots of facets. You know, there's lots of angles on it. And, and in different situations, it turns and picks up lights on different areas and different areas shine. Right. And so, and so, you know, in my mind, you can bring certain facets forward and go, okay, I'm going to be a bit more like this aspect of myself for this situation. Like it's all me, it's all me, but I'm going to try this you know, a little bit more forward. I think at certain times you can go, I'm going to try on this type of being this type of person. And that may often feel like, wow, I'm putting on an act, but you're not because you can't do anything that you didn't already have. The brain's not that clever. It doesn't, it, it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't already know, you know, and it only knows it because it is it. <laughs> So, so even that stuff that you yeah. go, oh, I'm going to be a bit like this. I don't think that's really me. It's like, it is, it is. It's just so, you know, in the background that, wow. it, that it can be fun to let it bring it out and put it in the light a bit and see how it shines, you know? Well, I think this means, Mark, I can stop feeling guilty in therapy, having so much fun and doing my voices. I mean, that... <laughs> I won't feel guilty about that at all because, look, the, the, first, the first therapists... <laughs> with the tellers of stories yes and because because it's all a story does is go look imagine if imagine if i'm not saying this is true right but, but imagine if and of course what the human being does hearing that story goes yeah actually it feels a little bit true to me and we have to do the voices to make it more real or mm. to make it less real because we have to make the story safe. We have to make that dangerous thing safe enough that people will go, oh yeah, what if what if I am really that type of person? I mean I'm not because that type of person has a silly voice. I'm not, but I but I get I get what's happening here. I will enter into the the possibility that you're really talking about me in your story. Right. So so I, I got no problem with these with your silly voices, you know. I, they're probably quite helpful. Well, I, I think so. Uh, I'm not saying I'm very good at them, but you know, you throw out some 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 Chris, Christopher Walken once in a while, it works pretty good. Um, you know, Mark, I've got a couple more questions. One of the big ones is: Do 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 colleges reach out to you, uh, schools of social work or psychology, to come in and speak to students about body language, getting them better at reading client body language? Uh, not a huge amount. Really? Uh, now and again, I, I I have worked a lot with individual. Uh, practitioners in in your area and and that's a one-to-one -one thing where they want to get adept at that often adept with how they might be able to use body language to help clients how they might be able to use it themselves right to 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 have more comp well to do the job better 
themselves by being in way more control in the right way of what of the environment and what they're doing but in terms of colleges and schools uh no i would really say you know there have been practitioner groups yep but, but when it comes to the you know the those schools that might certify or no not at all i i think that's a shame mark i really do uh, I was thinking that, come on, you would say, yeah, they reach out all the time. Um, isn't, isn't that interesting? Well, I, I, well I, I have my hopes, but I have my doubts. Because I don't, I don't think it's a priority. And, and uh, I think so much is put into assessment. And this is a pretty big piece of assessment. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to know that. Um, I want to ask you two a couple fun questions. And I know context is everything. But... You know when a husband and wife are going through a spat or whatever, and one of them says, I'm fine. Mark, what, what does that usually mean when somebody says, I'm fine? <laughs> well, when you said it like that, I heard tension in your voice yeah. <laughs> at the end. And, and yeah, more the intention, the tension than the upward inflection. Yeah, if, if there's a, I'm fine downward in, intention that that's that's pretty instructional like don't stand off don't you know i would have i'm fine it's like ask a little bit more right you know right. ask again so i might go really tell me more you know uh i'm fine okay let me know when you want to talk about this you know uh, it, it, i'm fine i'm fine right like, like uh, just a uh, a gliding you know on a platform a steady inflection okay then it's something else so i might go okay so what else okay that's good to know because i usually do that when my clients tell me they're fine because it's it seems a little disingenuous to me so here's another example you know when you go to a car lot and you ask the car person uh what color does this come in and and the car dealer ends up telling you a story for about 15 minutes that had nothing to do with the color of the car and you just don't care anymore um, clients will do that too sometimes. It's what I call over-explaining. And I'll say to them, uh, this is really confusing. And clients will say, well, I'm just trying to help you understand. And I say, the less you, or the more you talk, the less I understand. Mark, context-specific, is this a deceptive technique to hide the truth? It may not be consciously deceptive in any way whatsoever. Okay. It could be the unconscious um, protecting. And so, okay. and, it, and, and how you intervene into that could be, you know, depends on person to, to person. So a lot of the situations that I'm in, I'm just able to go, you know what? Yeah, I get all of that. But my question was. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> and, and I'll be, I'll bring them, I'll bring them back because, because, you know, the very fact that they haven't answered the question means there's something down there uh, that yeah. we, need to, we need to get to. You know, often you'll find it's they'll start talking about somebody else. And you know, absolutely. Well, you know, yeah. so what about, you know, tell me about you and, oh, well, will they? So, I, okay, and I'll often go, yeah, they're not here. So back to you, <laughs> you know, answer that question. I find too, Mark. You 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 can sometimes say things like, "I don't think I'm smart enough to, to hear." You're you're going to have to really dumb this down, for lack of a better word. And that sometimes works. You know, explain it to me like I'm four. Um, yeah. But that's that that's good to know that there is. Yeah, I'll often I'm like you. Have. I'll often go, "Look, I'm really yeah. smart, but I just don't get this. Right, I, right. I'm I'm confused. Help me. Right. So I'll often ask for help. Help me understand. 
and it, it kind of helps build the ego up a little bit too. <laughs> so, so, in, so in some ways, we're 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 doing some something good there too. So, Mark, my final question for you is: How do you avoid burnout? Because this is something that everybody in my field struggles with, that the new clinicians are going to struggle with. You don't seem burnt out in the least. What's yeah. the secret? Uh, care about the right stuff. Stop caring about the stuff that doesn't matter. I'm sure somebody said that somewhere. I'm sure there's a book called that or something along Probably those lines. Probably is. Probably is. Uh, but it seems true to me is that I will openly say to people, yeah, you know, I just don't care about that. And, and that's partly my protection to go, look, I need to keep focused on what, from my point of view, matters most to help people most. Gotcha. And that means that most stuff doesn't matter. Right. If I'm trying to help you today, most stuff on the planet has no bearing on it. So I'm not concerned. Not, I'm not thinking about it. It's not on my mind. If you bring it up, I'm like, yeah, I don't care about that. Here's, let's just hit the thing that I, that I actually care about, that I think I can bring some value on. So it's, it's caring most about the stuff that you know to be true matters most in these situations. And I know it's very easy, especially in, in well, today's climate yeah. and, and culture, to go, but everything matters. Right. Yes, it does. But that's not helpful. That right. isn't helpful to the person who needs your help right now. I, I think you bring up an amazing point, and I, and I will resonate with this because I try to do too much, and I, and I know it's important. I really do, and, and unfortunately, I find myself trying to do way too much and trying to succeed way too much and um, kind of fighting against the grain, but I like that you said that because I know what's important to me, and I think just knowing that, um, that's going to be one of my takeaways today. I know what's important to me, um, so thank you very much for that. Mark, it has been just, uh, I, I cannot tell you what a treat to have you here today and the authenticity and you were fun. Uh, it was everything I wanted it to be. I, I'd love to do it again sometime. Um, and just know that you're going to benefit a lot of young clinicians and new graduates who I think, again, we're, we're hitting upon some stuff. Now we know they're just not getting other places and they need to get this stuff because this is stuff they're not going to get anywhere else. They're, they're going to have to dig for it. And if we can be, you know, stewards of that, helping them, you know, get the stuff that's hard to get to, um, I think we, we have done our jobs. So thank you for assisting me in that so very much. Oh, my, my pleasure. Look, if this has been useful to, to, you know, people listening and watching, you know, let us know. I will always come back and, and chat with you. All I'm Wonderful. trying to do is help. So let us know if it's been helpful. Mark, absolutely. Um, thank you so much. And again, this has been Eric Nance with Mark Bowden on the Dark Side of Therapy, um, talking about body language and learning a lot. If you like this video, please hit like. And as always, please subscribe. Again, Mark, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your fall. Bye now. All right. Bye-bye.